everyone, and welcome to Opera After Dark, Ooh. <laughs> where we share real and ridiculous stories from across music history. This is episode one, Yay! numero uno, and we are very excited. We've had a lot of fun working on this already, preparing to launch, so we hope that we can bring you a few laughs. Maybe you'll learn something new and weird with us. And uh, to start off, I guess, you might be wondering, who are you listening yeah. to? Who are we, mm-hmm. Naomi? Mm-hmm. Yes, who are, who are we? Who are we? I'm Naomi, and I'm here with two of my friends, Kyle and Elspeth. Hello. Hi. And so we are here because we love classical music. We love weird stories and ridiculous mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. about classical music. And we thought we have quite a few fun things that we could share with all of you. <laughs> Mainly the two of you have <laughs> have a lot of fun uh, knowledge. No, Kyle contributes. Kyle contributes. Kyle but contributes. He's also he's also here primarily because we very greatly enjoy his raw reactions mm-hmm. to our stories. Mm-hmm. So. Fair it's always very uh, exciting to see how, how Kyle will react to a little tidbit of music history mm-hmm. that he didn't know before. I like to learn the tidbits along with the audience. Nice. There you go. There you go. Very yes. nice. And of course, it wouldn't be Opera After Dark without a bottle of wine. Yes. Kyle, tell us what wine we're drinking tonight. If only I could tell you specifically. <laughs> <laughs> but what I can tell you is that it is a red. Mm. And it's from Tuscany. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's about it. Although I guess the label is Santa Cristina. It's a Toscana, which I'm convinced is a type of wine, as well as a region in Italy. If I'm wrong, you can email us and let me know. Yeah, um, I'm convinced it's the region. But anyways... I think it's both. But this is a, a well-structured, supple, and balanced wine from Tuscany. And it presents aromas and flavors of ripe berry fruit and floral notes. It's a perfect match for hearty pasta dishes, risotto, and roast beef. So if that's what you're having for dinner tonight, then I recommend that you pick up this bottle of wine. So So for our first episode, we thought actually for the first couple of episodes on this particular podcast that we would go with the theme of the men behind the music so that we are talking about the real Mm -hmm. stories of the composers that provided us throughout history with absolutely beautiful music, gorgeous music, and many of which have incredibly dramatic, sometimes scandalous, sometimes sexy stories from their own lives. Our first composer is none other than Giacomo Puccini. Yay! He wrote many a tragic love story in his operatic output. And something that people talk a lot about with Puccini is that there's kind of hypotheses about how his famous heroines in each of his operas can be modeled after some woman Mm -hmm. that he had either an obsession with or a particular love affair with or some kind of episode with in his own life. Well, he was a, not to interrupt you. Please interrupt me. Um, He was a notorious womanizer. Yes, he actually, there's a quote where he says he's a great hunter of... I have, I fear I'm going to read it. Okay. He says, I'm a mighty hunter of wild fowl, operatic librettos, and attractive women. So there you go. He was, he (laughs) knew himself well. He did. And so Puccini... People like to talk about or theorize about who the women were behind some of these great characters that he Mm -hmm. brought to life on the opera stage. And so one of these particular characters comes from Madama Butterfly. And so Puccini did have a wife, 
uh, Elvira was her name, but of course their relationship started out in a rather scandalous, racy way. Yes, because they were together for a long time, but uh-huh. they were not married. She was his best friend's wife? I don't know if they were best friends, but they were certainly friends. friends. Friendly. And Puccini was her keyboard piano, her piano teacher. teacher. Right? <laughs> so she was having an affair with Puccini. Mm-hmm. She actually had an illegitimate child by Puccini while she was married to somebody else. But then no. because she was married to somebody else, they couldn't get Puccini and Elvira couldn't get married. But then her first husband ended up getting killed in a duel with a man whose wife he was having an affair with. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is right after, wasn't it, Puccini got into this really horrible car accident. Yes, so back to this, the real story at hand here. Mm-hmm. Even though Puccini and Elvira were together for a long time and not married but clearly committed to each other, Puccini did have these little philandering affairs with people. And Elvira sort of knew about this and was sort of okay with it. But then... It turns out that one of his affairs went pretty far, Mm -hmm. and it was around the time that he was writing Madame Butterfly, and it was rumored that he was going to leave Elvira and propose marriage to this other woman that he was having an affair with, but then he ended up getting in a really terrible car accident. And so the car accident kind of shook him to his core. He re-examined things. He actually hired an investigator to look into the other woman he was having an affair with. And then when he found out that she was sort of lying about various details of her life, he decided to basically end that relationship and commit to Elvira. Well, to put it more bluntly, apparently the investigators found that she was seeing multiple men and that there was a possibility of money changing hands. Oh. Oh no, Chocho Sound. <laughs> 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 so good. Where did that come from? Oh, that's so good. I don't oh, know. This is why Kyle's here. <laughs> yeah, I it, for the record, I am hearing all of this for the first time. So. We should have informed you all of that, but no, Partially, we wanted Kyle it. here so that his raw reaction, reaction. Mm-hmm. could be uh, broadcast for all of you to enjoy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Puccini decides after this car accident and after finding out that I think it was Corina mm-hmm. was her name was not all that That's he thought she was. The name that she gave him. The name that she gave him was not all that he thought she was or perhaps was much more than he thought she was, he decides to stay with Elvira, and then around this time also, Elvira's first husband gets killed in this duel. Like the next day. Whoa. Right, so then there's no other, there's no no impediments to them getting married, so I think they're just like, all right. So they decided to get married. Oh, so I get it. So this was happening, the affair with... Corina. Corina was happening before Puccini was married to... His wife. Yes, but they were but they had living been together. together. Oh. They had been together they had quite some time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, and actually, before he starts this affair with Corina, Elvira leaves her husband. She brings her daughter by her first husband, Fosca, Fosca. as well as whatever illegitimate children she had with Puccini. Right. They all go and live with Puccini as a family unit. Okay. Yes. So but they can't get. She can't get divorced because she's still married. She's still married. Italy's very Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, people believe 
that the character of Butterfly, Cho Chozan, in Madama Butterfly is modeled after this Corinna, Corinna character mm-hmm. woman that Puccini had this fling with. So that's one possible theory behind the evolution of that particular character. But Puccini's interesting life story does not end there. It gets so much worse. <laughs> it, it does get much more tragic. And so the much more talked about, frequently talked about story with Puccini is what people call the Doria Manfredi scandal. Mm-hmm. Doria Manfredi was a maid that worked in the Puccini household. And it just so happens that Elvira, who was, of course fairly well aware of her now husband's uh, philandering ways, um, suspected that Doria Manfredi was having an affair with Puccini. And she publicly accused Doria of this. And basically by doing this, Doria's reputation was completely ruined. And so Puccini never really stepped forward or said anything publicly to try and defend her Doria, but he did uh, try to basically get Elvira to drop the accusations. And so it turns out that Elvira refused to do this, and Doria's reputation was so ruined that she took poison and killed herself. Mercury poisoning. Oh. Mercury so it took poisoning. days for her to die. Apparently it was very, very awful. Very horrible and painful. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was after her death, the coroner of the town examined her and found out that she was in fact a virgin and so she obviously oh, did not have an affair exactly with there was no way that she could yes. have had an affair with anyone Gosh. right and then because everyone knew the reason why she poisoned herself elvira was charged with defamation slander. and slander and then she is actually about to go to jail for five years right? yes yeah but then puccini ended up cutting a deal with the jail or arranging to pay her bail so that she didn't actually have to well, i thought he go paid to jail. the family he played the the manfredi family like a, an enormous amount of of hush money to get them to drop this Wow. There was a lot of money that was invested somehow yes. into keeping Elvira out of jail. Right. In modern Puccini, words, they settled out of court. They settled out of court. Yes. Puccini is one of those very rare composers that was extremely successful in his lifetime. Yes. Okay. So, but the story doesn't really end there because everyone thought that this was just a tragic story mm-hmm. that happened and it was all Elvira's fault. But then if you're thinking of this story, you think, well, why didn't Doria say anything? Or did she say anything? Why didn't Puccini stand up for her if they were not having an affair? Why didn't someone kind of step up and kind of investigate this a little bit? And so because this story was so popular, there was an Italian filmmaker who wanted to make a movie about this. I was just going to ask, why has nobody made it? A movie about <laughs> well, they have. They <laughs> have. Paolo Benvenuti started researching this in the early 2000s, and he was planning on making a movie about this. I think it was around 2006 that mm-hmm. he started looking into this, and so he actually went to Puccini's house to try and get some more research and information about the life story of Puccini, the Villa Puccini, the Villa Puccini. <laughs> yes, and while he was there, he was basically eating pizza one day at a local establishment and got talking with the proprietress. And then the the woman who ran the pizza shop asked him what he was doing in town. He explained to her he was making a movie about Puccini. And she said, oh, well, actually, some of Puccini's illegitimate 
family used to always eat pizza here in my pizzeria. And he said, oh, really? Who is this? Thinking that this was a link to the Doria Manfredi scandal that maybe no one had discovered. And he was told that it was the son of Julia Manfredi. And he thought, Julia, dun, I've, dun, never dun. Heard, I've never heard that name. I've only heard Doria. And so he looks into this further. He kind of tracks down uh, the descendants of Julia Manfredi and finds out that a story that has never been told really up until this point about Puccini is that one of the reasons why Doria Manfredi did not really defend herself vigorously in this whole scandalous um, public declaration against her was because she was covering up for her cousin, Julia Manfredi, who was having an affair with Puccini. Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so Doria was the one that carried letters back and forth between Puccini and Julia Manfredi. And so apparently Julia Manfredi did have a son, and that son is one of the uh, direct lines to Puccini himself. And I believe her son had a son, and so there are a family tree that has been carried on into the present day from the Julia Manfredi mm-hmm. line. Has this was there confirmation of that theory, or is it still so? Apparently, a uh, Benvenuti did talk with one of the descendants, Nadia, and Nadia had a suitcase of letters and documents mm-hmm. and that sort of thing that he was able to look through from Puccini. Ah. From Puccini, sort of chrono- like chronologically laid out what happened. What had happened. And there's this like very romantic story where he knocks the um, film director knocks on the door and she opens it and the first thing he thinks is she has you know Puccini's he had mustache. very distinctive his mustache <laughs> um, you know Puccini has very distinctive very hooded eyes mm-hmm. and so he opens the door and the first thing he thinks is she has the exact his same eyes, eyes. Hmm. yes and actually there's a picture I think of her son who when you put him beside. Right. A picture of Puccini, like it looks like a child version of Puccini. So there are kind of photographic things okay. that are floating around out there on the internet that you can mm-hmm. look up. But she has all the letters. She has all the letters. She has this handwritten declaration from Puccini himself proving Doria's innocence and oh. and also kind of proving this link and connection between Julia and Well, what Puccini. did Julia do for a living? Well, the other this is the other interesting thing, yes. is that linking back to this idea of characters in the opera being modeled after real life, Julia apparently owned and ran an in-slash-bar saloon on the lake near the Puccini Villa, on kind of the other side of the lake. And it was kind of like a hunting lodge, and we know that Puccini loved hunting. And so after we found this out about Julia Manfredi, there's a lot of theories now circulating that Julia Manfredi was the inspiration for the character of Minnie in La Fanchula del West. Mm -hmm. So, because in La Fanchula del West, Minnie is a strong woman. She's holding her own, you know, out right. in the, the Golden West. And, <laughs> and so she's very different than all of Puccini's other characters and other female characters in other operas. And so this is the prevailing theory right now, uh, where this character comes from. So, with all of that said... I feel like we should maybe listen to a little bit of Minnie. Yes. Uh, so you can hear what this strong female character sounds like. Who a little was bit of Julia Manfredi. A li- inspired by Julia Manfredi. So this is one of Minnie's big arias in La Fanchula del West, and we're going to listen to Renata Tabaldi bringing it to life. 
We should also mention that Doria Manfredi is believed to be the inspiration behind the character of Liu mm. because Liu has this horrible, tragic suicide moment in the opera Turandot, and people talk about her arias being just full of sorrow and heartbreak. And so the idea is that the Doria Manfredi scandal had such an impact on Puccini that he was haunted by her for the rest of his life. And Liu mm -hmm. is actually one of the last, the, art, the second aria for Liu is one of the last things that Puccini ever wrote Right in that particular opera. And also there's this theory that, you know, Liu dies she decides to commit suicide rather than betray the hero of the opera. Right. So he sees himself as the hero. Doria, you know, committed suicide rather than betray his confidence. Right. So, so we should say, listen to dun, dun, dun. a little like bit dies, of you. dies for somebody else's honor. Right. Right, to protect their honor. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we're going to listen to a little bit of her second aria. This is the last thing that she sings before committing this honor suicide. So you can hear the heartbreak that haunted Puccini right until the very end.
so there are these character comparisons, but I have to say that after hearing some of these different uh, stories about Puccini, I am actually kind of reminded of like a B.F. Pinkerton in Puccini. Oh. Do you think Puccini is like Pinkerton? I When you were first talking about Alvira and... That's, that was the name of his wife, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. When you're first talking about, and like he has this like kind of illegitimate relationship, which Cho Cho San and Pinkerton, it's not illegitimate, but it's, I mean. He doesn't view it as a real thing, even though she takes it very seriously. Exactly. Right. And then he impregnates her, but then isn't like. He doesn't know it, though. A father. Well, that's fair. I feel. And of course, it's a speculation. It's not like I knew him. Um, I feel like Puccini would sort of see himself more as the great hero, like Calaf and Angelito, <laughs> you know? Then or like who, the Cabradossi in Tosca. Who is, who is right. his uh, Turandot? Oh. The icy princess that hates him for years and years and years. Probably and his wife. Him. <laughs> I'm saying maybe uh, maybe there's another skeleton in his closet that we don't know about. No, I think it has to be his wife because if Doria is Liu, you know, oh. if we're gonna play it like this, Elvira has to be her. We are we grossly speculating at this point. Well, so. I, mean, well I mean, this happened this, like a hundred years ago. And what is this conversation for if not to, you know, can get the conversation going even? Right more. there, you go. All right. Just a thought. Just a thought. So just a little little view into the life of Puccini. We didn't delve as deeply as, as we could have. Um, but we do think it could make a great opera plot. I mean, it, it did, because he basically just wrote his life with different people. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Wait, so is there a movie that was made? or There no? is a movie that yes. was made. You can watch it. Um, it's very hard to get a hold of. I've tried. Do you know what it's called? I can't remember what it's called, but it's... I watched large portions of it on Vimeo because it was an oh, indie really? movie mm-hmm. and oh. I also don't know if you can get an actual DVD of it that will play on an American DVD player like even though like the Venice Film Festival or something yes. like that huh. but just look up Paolo Benvenuti La Ragazza di Lago The Girl of the Lake is the name of the movie well, I think that's everything we have to talk about Puccini. We've had some very wild speculation, but hopefully you've enjoyed our tour through his... <laughs> it may not be everything we could say, that's but it's true. all that we're going to say today. Yes, all we're going to say today. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots more to be had, but you should definitely read up on Puccini yourself. Check out some of the stuff we've talked about. Yes, find that movie and watch it online. That's right, Vimeo, everybody. And... And check out operaafterdark.com. That's yes. right. Also check out our Facebook page and check out our Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. So you can tweet at us. You can follow all of our uh, rather random but interesting musings on both social media feeds. Mm-hmm. And we will be back with you next week for our second episode of Opera After Dark. Next week is Leos Janacek. Leos. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks.
those are supposed to be together, right? Like, I don't think, I've never heard of eating roast beef and pasta. Well, there's, you can have, like, a well, slow Well, risotto's, like, a side dish, so you well, can, yeah, that, but I yeah. wouldn't have, like, risotto and pasta. <laughs> That's a lot of carbs. It's a lot of, you know, yeah. gluten. But would you have risotto <laughs> with a, with roast beef? Why not? I guess you could. Okay. People do risotto with, like, lamb and So if you really want to go all the way with this wine, like, it's a... Okay, well, anyways, anyways. Not, not a food podcast. No, we are a music podcast. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> if only our listeners could see us, Elspeth is making scissor so boring. Okay. Yes. 